0: Trader's Point, how are we doing? Hey, so good to be with you. Everyone online, everyone at the campuses, welcome. It is a beautiful season. This is Easter week. I'm counting it, all right? This uh, upcoming week, it is all about Easter. Y'all excited for that? Hey, me too. And I just want to take right now and just take a moment And let's let Aaron, our lead pastor, let's let him hear it. Let him know we're behind him. The man's about to begin a preaching marathon, pouring himself out. We're behind him. And I'm telling you from the bits I've heard about, the message that's coming, from what the team, uh, worship and production, the creative team, what they're putting together for what's going to happen on Easter. I'm telling you, it is one you do not want to miss. Make sure you invite, make sure you're praying, and we will see you here for Easter weekend. But as far as today goes, we are in our series, Rally Cry, where we've been rallying around the areas of our lives that got hit the hardest. And today... uh, I want you to think about today as that like that halftime speech, right? You know, the rally cry that happens in the locker room where everyone gets pulled together. and There's really one talk. It comes in a lot of different forms, but it's the talk of here's why who you are is enough to go out there and win. And I've only been a part of one of those conversations. It was in middle school. Uh, We were at a basketball tournament and we were getting destroyed. And apparently my coach had just watched one of these movies with a halftime talk. So he comes in and he grabs the Gatorade bottles and he slams them against the wall and they bust and they blow open. But I think that's the only part that he saw because then he was just standing there like. And this is when I knew I didn't belong there because all I was thinking about was what are we supposed to drink for the rest of the game? Maybe I could go to the vending machine. I'm like taking orders, like you want to off sport? Uh, like how are we going to get through this right now, right? <laughs> like, like that's when I knew. And he was, then he started yelling. I was like, dude, calm down. We're not going to win. We're playing against Eric Gordon, okay? In 10 years, he's going to be in the NBA playing LeBron James. I'm going to be at the YMCA calling for the ball. That's where we're going to be. Let's just settle down, call a spade a spade, and let's go out there and just, just do our best. How about that? But today is, today is that rally cry. Today is that moment where we gather together, where we rally around and we protect what matters most. And through this, this series, we've been looking at things like our marriages and our families and our kids and our relationships. And today, what we're going to rally around is the church. This. What is the church, though? And I think a lot of us would answer that in different ways. Maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you haven't thought much about it at all. Maybe it's just something you were brought up in, something you were raised in. Maybe it's the place you go because your spouse tells you this is where we go. The person you're dating tells you this is where we go. Maybe you're like, I don't know how to get to lunch without coming here first. Like this is just a part of where I am in life. All right, I don't know. But maybe for you, church has always just been a point of confusion or anger. And so today what we want to do is we want to rally around the church by by looking at and asking the question, though, of of who is she? What is the church? And one of my favorite ways the church is described in the Bible is the bride. The bride of Jesus. And when I think about this, this this bride, what comes to mind, I want you to go there with me, is go to your wedding day. or, Or go to a wedding that you've been to and think about that moment. When everyone is sitting and everyone's waiting, but then the music changes and the doors swing open and the bride steps in, and what happens? Everyone stands to their feet. Everyone is looking, everyone is breaking their neck just to get a peek, just to see this bride make her way down the aisle. That is the church. That is what the church should be. As she goes through the world, people should be looking, dropping everything because she catches their eye. She is beautiful. The church, the community, the body of believers, all that follow Jesus, she should be beautiful. So here's the question we're going to be looking at. How do we help the ch- the world fall in love with the church? How can we do our part as we rally together and lift her up to portray her? Because she's been portrayed in a lot of different ways. But how can we portray her in such a way, live in such a way that the world draws in? That the world falls in love with the bride, all for the sake of falling in love with the groom, Jesus So that's what we're going to look at today. And I want us to go all the way back, back to the beginning and look at one of the first words used to describe the church. The the first word that that was used for the body of believers, the followers of Jesus. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But they were actually called the way. The way. Look at this in Acts. It says that, and I persecuted the followers of the way. These are the followers of Jesus, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them into prison. The way. This is, this is how they were known. That this, this movement, these followers, this church, it was known as the way, coming off of what Jesus said when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. These followers of Jesus took these these ideas, these teachings of Jesus, and they began to live it out as God's way. And when we look at the church from that setting, from that idea of of the way, of God is introducing a new way, a new way to live, it starts to make Jesus' teachings make a lot more sense, right? When you look back to what Jesus came onto the scene preaching and teaching, he said stuff like this in Mark. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near Repent of your sins and believe the good news. He's saying the new way is here. I've come to establish this new way and I want you to know about it. And then he says, repent. And maybe as you read this, that was the only word that stood out to you and not because we had it highlighted. But maybe that puts a bad taste in your mouth because you've only heard it from a bullhorn or you've heard it in really weird situations, but that's, that's not what that word is. That, that's a very simple word that just means to stop, stop going the way that you're going and to turn and to start moving in a new way, start thinking in a new way, start living in a new way. And this is what Jesus came to do over and over and over again. That he would tell people, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's, It's drawing near. And when Jesus talked about repent, I don't believe he did it with a bullhorn, but with an arm around the shoulder saying, hey, the way that you're going, the way that you're living, it only leads to death. It only leads to hell. It is void of God. But I'm here to tell you some good news. There's another way. There's there's a new way, and it's so much more than anything that you could ever want or desire. It's unbelievable. And the good news is I'm here to share it with you. Walk in this way. Walk in newness of life. And this was the mission of Jesus, that that he showed up over and over and over again. And what did he say? He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost he didn't come to seek and to save people who were physically lost, right? He didn't just show up at like the campground and like, hey, you guys are wandering around. Let me show you the way back to go. No, no, no. He says he showed up because people were going the wrong way. They were going in a direction that would never bring them closer to God, that would never do anything but hurt them. He says, I'm bringing you a new way. And I've come to find those that are lost and I've come to bring them back home. And the amazing thing about that line that Jesus said that I've come to seek and to save the lost, it's actually attached to a real person and a real story with a guy named Zacchaeus. So just look at this. This is the process over and over again. Jesus meets people right where they are. They're going one way and he tells them about this new way and then their life is forever changed. Look at this. It says there was a man named Zacchaeus and he was the chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. And he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. So just a few things here. Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector. Meaning his way of life had brought him a lot of money. He's doing very well, but the way that he was doing well was by exploiting those around him. He was taking advantage. He was stealing from his people, which did not make him a very loved person. That's who he is. That's his way of life. And then it says that he goes ahead. He's trying to get a look, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Now, I know what that's like. (laughs) I, too, have been too short to see over the crowd. And one of my favorite things that I hear when I get off this stage and I meet people either in the lobby or at Target is, wow, I thought you'd be taller. It's like, oh, no, I know, and I thought you'd be kinder. But here we are. Um, kidding, mostly. Um, but the second thing, look at this. It says he tries to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree. What does this look like to you? To me, it looks like that same picture of the wedding where the bride is coming. Everyone is standing. Everyone is trying to get a look. That is what Zach is doing. And then he runs ahead and he climbs a tree. We read that way, like it's way too normal that we just read that and keep going. Think about this. This is a grown man in a tree. You wouldn't be here right now if you walked outside this morning and you saw a grown man in a tree. You would stop everything that you're doing. You would have some questions like, Bob, get what? How did why? What are you doing in a tree, bro? This is a man in a robe in a tree just to get a look at Jesus. And I'm telling you, if your Jesus doesn't have grown men climbing in trees to get a look at how good he is and all that he offers, we're talking about a different Jesus. This is the Jesus. Jesus that he heard whispers and rumors about, and he had to see for himself. Tell me about this, Jesus. And we don't know everything, but we know that Jesus comes to him and says, hey, bro, go ahead, get out of of the tree. Um, Let's go back to your place. And then within this interaction, we see something wild happens. Look at this. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Do you see this? In a moment, that this guy was going in one direction, his life was leading one way, and then he has this interaction with Jesus, and he goes from life of being about these things to now it is the complete opposite, and he does a 180. That is wild. And we see this over and over again when Jesus steps onto the scene. That If you look at like the Sermon on the Mount, which is probably one of Jesus' most famous teachings, this, this is what he says over and over again. He says, you've heard it said, this is the way that you were living. These were the values that you were holding on to. This is what you thought was true and your life was a response to that. You've heard it said, but then what does he say? But I say, You've heard it said these things are true, but I say. You've heard it said you should live like this, but I say. You've heard that God is like this, but I say God is like this. And it completely changed everything. Jesus went for three years going and proclaiming this message that God was here. The kingdom of God had come and he began teaching and living and rescuing people and doing these miracles and healings over and over again sparking this new way of life. Look at it, it's so much more. The church is so much more. Christianity is so much more because Christianity is not just a belief and the church is not just a place. Christianity is the way to eternal life. And it starts right now. It's a life that doesn't wait until you die and then you go to heaven. It has implications right now. It's a new way for living, not just a new way for dying. That God has sparked all of this is what he came to bring. And we get to see what that looks like. Then we looked at it last week that, hey, when people began to follow Jesus and they began to live out his teachings, that they took those and then they lived with them. What happened? We saw it in Acts it says in each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved what was happening people over and over again were catching a glimpse of the bride and she was beautiful and they couldn't look away and they had so many questions because the church was so different than anything that they had ever seen or experienced It was set apart from any culture that it has ever existed in and will ever exist in. It is one. It is unique. It is set apart. That this church is counter in every single way to everything else. And Larry Hurtado, who was a New Testament scholar, actually looks at this. And he asks the question of what was it about the early church that created this? What was it that they were doing that made people want to be a part of it? Because you have to think about this. When the church began, as it's trying to grow, it was trying to be stomped out. The Roman Empire was trying to literally kill them. They were being beaten, persecuted, thrown in jail, killed, fed to lions. All of that is happening. And yet there's a bunch of people, non-Christians saying, yeah, but but I I want in. I want to be a part of that. Even though death was almost certain, I want that. What was that? What was this way of life that was so attractive and so beautiful? Well, he, he, he takes five. He grabs five marks of the early church that, that set her apart. And the first one was, the church was a multi-racial community. This didn't happen. You see, everything was segmented and broken apart. Everyone kept to their own kind until this new way comes. And they began preaching and teaching this new message where they say, actually, there's no longer, you know, Greek and Gentile and Jew. We're all one in Christ. There's no longer male or female, no longer slave or free. We are all one in Christ. And they started living together and hanging out together and being together out in Christ public and that's how you know something's really good when it brings all different kinds of people together like a good restaurant any fans of Maxine's chicken and waffles huh come on what I love about Maxine's is you will see people from everywhere coming every single color and people in suits and sweatpants in different tables sitting there why it brings all people together they had never seen this before Until the church came and all these people started gathering together and like, what is it? Why are they able to do that when the rest of us can't? The second thing was that they cared for the poor and the suffering. And not just their poor, not just the Christian poor. They cared for all of the poor and all of the suffering. When at a time when the poor were outcast and the suffering were placed in the margins, no one associated with them until this new way came. And they began to care for the poor. People that couldn't help them, they they helped. They, They began to care for those that were suffering, those with diseases. When plagues would come, the Christians were the ones that rushed in and stayed and cared for them. They died with them. And the world's going, what is this? How, why are you able to do this? And over and over again, they got to say, because of this new way, our God has provided. The third thing, they were known for forgiveness and reconciliation. In a shame and honor culture, in a eye for an eye culture, in a way that it was all about honor. So if you tried to come at me, if you tried to disrespect me, I was coming for you 10 times harder. And then these Christians show up and there's this new way where they don't begin to go after retaliation, but they seek reconciliation. They begin to pray for their enemies. The people are literally killing them and they're not fighting back. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't shake them. They're like, we're going to throw you in jail. We're like, we don't care. It's fine. They're like, no, we're going to kill you. They're like, to live is Christ, to die is game. Did you not see the new t-shirts? Like, you can't. There's nothing you can do that can rattle us because we are secure in this new way. It was wild. And then look at the fourth one. They were committed to the sanctity of life. And this is more than being opposed to abortion. Abortion wasn't happening that much. It was very dangerous. But there was something called infant exposure where children were not seen as equal. So if you didn't want a kid, you didn't have to have them. You would take them to these drop zones and you would leave them there. And either they would die or someone would come along and take them as a slave. But then there was this new teaching from this new way that said, no, 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 actually all men, women and children are equal. And they would actually not only preach this, they would show up at those drop zones and take the kids. And they would raise them. They would adopt them as family. They would bring them in. And people just had so many questions. They were so curious. What is this? Who are these people? And then look at the fifth one. They offered a sexual counterculture. In Rome at the time, sex was nothing more than an appetite that was meant to be satisfied. Especially with men, it was about power. And if you had power, you could go. And whoever it was, they had to bow to this so that their sexual needs could be met. But then came a new teaching and a new way of life that said, you know what? Sex actually isn't about taking, it's about giving. And sex is actually only found within the context of a marriage between a man and a woman. Here's why. Because you can't take something sexually until you've given yourself fully to that person. And it was a radical new way of thinking and living. This was the list. This is what they offered. This is what made them stand out over and over again. And I just want us to think about this. This was 2,000 years ago. All of these could be on the headlines tomorrow. Is this still not the list of the pressure points of our communities and our cultures right now? If we could have one voice for all of these, if we could stand up and be known for all of these things, wouldn't it be incredible? Wouldn't, if we could rally around these, am I the only one, that if we could rally around these with one voice, being led by God, that we could show this is what it looks like to live this way. And I'll tell you, a lot of times when we talk about stuff like this, sometimes it can feel like people are like, well, why are you doing that? Are you just talking about it because it's culturally relevant? No, we're talking about it because it's relevant for humanity, that these are still all the same struggles that we face. And the reason we speak on them is because we believe we have the solve. We believe we have the answer to all of the world's problems, and they are all found in Jesus. Come on. It was a new way. You see, people aren't just looking for a church that they can attend, a place that they can come, a sermon they can hear, a worship experience. People are looking for a new way of life. People are looking for a new way of life because they've experienced life the way that we've known it. A life of hurting and a life of pain, a life without answers, a life of never being satisfied. People are looking for a new way. People are looking and asking and praying in their own way for a new way, a love that can meet all of that, a love that has an answer to their pain and their suffering, a love that can meet them right where they are, a love that can speak to the emptiness that they feel, a love that can surround them and meet them right where they are, and we get to bring that love Who are we? We are the way. We are the ones that come. We are the chosen instruments, the the sent ones of God to clear the way, to make room so that people can come to know Jesus. The way we talk about it is that we exist to remove unnecessary barriers that keep people from Jesus. We get to go out. We get to give our lives to seeing people hurting, to seeing people just doing the best they can. We come with them and say, hey, no, no, no. I want you to know that there's a better way. I want you to know that there is a God that exists. I want you to know that there is a God that loves you. I want you to know that don't keep going that way. It only leads to more and more pain. But if you turn, and if you come this way, if you follow after Jesus, it will bring you a life that you could have never experienced. It's of love, one that you cannot even dream of. Come on, that this is what we get to do. That we give our lives to this, to making known the way that God has come, that his kingdom is here, that his spirit is here, and he brings life and eternal life. And what we're going to look at next is actually a prayer from Jesus to the church for us. And I want us to not skip past this. And I want us to really hear, because maybe you're here today and you, you wonder, and you've spent a lifetime wondering, Does God hear my prayers? Does God want my prayers? What you're going to see here is that God not only hears your prayers, God prayed for you. Think about how wild that is. That the God who created you prayed for you and wants for you and prayed that you would have something, something that we would need to be the church, to be that beautiful Bride. And he could have prayed for a lot, of pray, a lot of things, but he prayed for one. And look at this. In John 17, verse 14, this is Jesus talking, and he says, I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to this world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. We can't run, so we have to rally. There's nowhere to escape to. We are sent out. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. They've been given a new way, a new life, a new spirit. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. That we are, oh yeah, come on, we can. That's better than anything I'll preach today. This is God's want for us. This is what God wants for us. And did you catch it? He could have asked for anything, but what did he ask God to give us? He said, make them holy. That you want to know about what the church is, is we are sent. That's what Jesus said. Just as you sent me, Father, I am sending them. That that's what it means to be on mission. And as we go, what we will need is to be holy. That that is what will be the mark of the church. It won't be, uh, they won't know them because they're successful, because they have a bunch of money. No, he says, make them Holy. And holy is one of those words that I believe has been hijacked over the years. Like holy as soon as I started talking about it of like God wants you to be holy you're like I don't want any part of that. I'm not holy. Trust me, I'm not holy. Why? Well, I don't want to live up to the title of holy. I don't want people to think that I'm I'm better than them. But that's not what holy is. God says I want you to be holy and here's what it is. I am holy. I have been set apart for a new life. I have a new purpose. It means that I could have lived so many different ways and gave my focus and my attention, my energy to so many different things. My values could have been about so much. My purpose in life could have been anything, but I've made the decision that it's about this one thing, that it's about God and his mission. It's about seeking and saving the lost, that I'm given everything that I can to be everything that I can to everyone that I meet so that I could save a few, so that I could be a part of this mission that changes everything, that that's what it means to be holy, to be set apart. And I'm telling you, it is only the work of the devil that could take something as beautiful as holy and make it seem like a bad thing and we exchanged holy for ordinary thinking this is the way we will we'll reach a watching world if we can just show that hey we are exactly the same as you the only difference is we go to this place on sundays if that's the only difference there is no difference but god said i want you to make them holy as I am holy. That'll be what sets them apart. That'll be what makes it clear. That'll be how they stand out. And it's not just one. It is a collective. The church herself is a holy bride. Look at this, First Peter. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priest. You are a holy nation. God's very own possession and as a result, You can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Church, you are a holy nation. You are distinct. You are set apart in every single way. You have turned from the ways of the world and you have been brought into the ways of heaven. Establishing God's kingdom here on earth. That is what we have been tasked with. And there is nothing ordinary about that. It is by God and through his spirit that we are able to do any of this. And our holiness is what will set us apart because all of that other stuff can be found in the world. Money, fame, success, educate, all of that. Holiness can only be found in Christ and holiness is our witness. It's what makes us credible to the world. Is It's what gives us a space to be able to speak and to have relationship with is if our witness is credible. And Jesus says, that's who you will be. Not an option. This is if followers of me, this is your task. Look at this in Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria into and the ends of the earth. Holiness is what makes our witness credible. You ever met a witness that maybe wasn't so credible? I mean, like growing up, I played basketball a lot and uh, played at the rec leagues and had some great coaches, had some other coaches that uh, loved their kids very much, but had no idea about what basketball was. And you would see them talk about it. And you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. I love that you're here but you're not helping your situation. A witness is, is, is someone that, that knows. A witness is not someone that is of themselves that offers anything, but it's someone that says, God has done everything in my life. That God has, has started a work in me that he is gonna see finished. That God is doing something here. That that is our witness, that we get to show the way over and over again. We're, we're the witnesses to his work. Here's why that matters, because I met a Christian before I met Christ. Chances are you did too. It's kind of the game plan. As the church, we are sent out, Christians, seriously, it means little Christ. It was used in a derogatory way that these people, they're just running around looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, sounding like Jesus, exactly and they were witnesses that all that Jesus did, they saw a man do incredible things. And then they saw a man hang on a cross, die and resurrect. And they said, yeah, we're with him. Let me tell you about all that he did and all that he said and what it means for you. And I know for me, I, I met a witness. And maybe for you, that was a really good thing or a really bad thing. But for me, it was obviously a really good thing. I'm, I'm standing here today. But when I met her, I had never met anyone like her. And I didn't have the word holy in my vocabulary, but the word that I did use was different. And if this makes any sense to you at all, this is what it felt like. It felt like the world wasn't happening to her. The world was still spinning. The world was still crashing. But there she was in the midst of it, different. She was moving to something different. She was living by a different set of rules, ones that I didn't have. And I was interested. And I want you to hear this. I wasn't doing bad when I met her. I was doing very well. But I knew that it didn't matter how much more of what I deemed good I received. It wasn't gonna give me what she had. It didn't matter about the degree. It didn't matter how much success. It didn't matter how much money I made. I wasn't gonna get to that. What is that? And then she told me that why she was the way that she was was because she met Jesus. And that Jesus, that there's this God of this universe who sent his only Son here to die for us. And that her life is a response to that kind of love. I'd never heard anything like it, but it made sense and it gave me hope that if God could do that to her, he could do it to me. And after she shared this with me, she brought me here. I sat there. I got baptized there. I gave my life to this, going one way and then turned around and went the other way. And then of course, she went ahead and put a ring on it and locked me down because she knew (laughs) which way she wanted me to go. But people talk about this sometimes of like, what is it? What what is Christianity? What does it cost? And I wanna be very clear We are saved by the grace of God. Meaning, not that it didn't cost anything, it cost a lot from God. Meaning we can't do anything to earn it. We can't do anything to pay the debt that we owed. The fracture, the separation between us and God, our sin, we have no way to pay that. But God did. But what God offers and extends to us is a new life, a new way. And a life is what it costs. You see, this new way that we are traveling in, it is a resurrected life. When we talk about baptism, that is the ultimate turning. That what you look at in there, it is someone going underneath the water, showing from death to life, resurrected in new life. And then we move forward with that same energy. That we live out what God has brought us to, to be on mission, to be His church. And I just want the rest of our times, I just want to work through what does that look like? How do we live a holy life? How do we live a life that it is set apart from those around us? How do we show the church for who she is? Here's just a few things. First one, tell yourself every day, I am not ordinary. Start right now. We're going to say this together I am not ordinary. There is nothing about you that is ordinary. If you look to God, he will explain it to you. He will show it to you. You are anything and everything but ordinary. You are a masterpiece. You are what God has called unbelievable. Unbelievable that he has everything and he decided that he wanted you and he was willing to move heaven and earth and hell just to have a relationship with you. You are extraordinary, that you are loved, that God wants you. There's nothing, tell yourself that every single day that you are not ordinary and then go about your days like there is nothing ordinary about your day. Tomorrow will not be ordinary. Love what you do, even if you can't do what you love. You hear me? Love what you do, even if you can't do what you love. We spend so much time waiting for the better opportunity, for the next job, for school to be over. We wait, love what you do, show up tomorrow. There is nothing ordinary about tomorrow. Bob that sits next to you in your cubicle, there is nothing ordinary about that. That is an opportunity for you to bring the kingdom of God to him. Sherry in the break room, you are not just there to experience her bad breath, okay? You are there to bring the love of Jesus to her. You are there to show a new way of life. When everyone is saying this, you are showing this. When everyone says, no, no, it's like this, you say, no, 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 it's like this, let me show you. And then love the people that you're with, love what you do and love the people that you're with, even if they're hard to love even if they're sitting right next to you right now, don't look at them, (laughs) but love them. There is nothing about your life that is ordinary. You have been handpicked, handcrafted, chosen, selected, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's the first thing. The second one is this, think progress, not perfection. I talk to a lot of people that, that have that moment of faith, that moment where they give their lives to Jesus. And they say, I don't want to live like that anymore. I do want to go this new way. And you get over here and you get baptized and you come up on a Sunday and you run out ready to take on the world. Just King Kong ain't gotten and just taking over. And then by Wednesday, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, um, yeah, can I talk to somebody at the church? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, I got baptized on Sunday. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, no, we might need to do it again. Um... I was doing it and then I'm not doing it uh, anymore. I just had a bad, a bad moment. Um, So what do we need to do to reschedule that thing? Think progress, not perfection. Then we talked about this, that this idea of sanctification, which is just the process of being made holy, that that is God's will for your life. People ask me all the time, what do you think God's will for my life is? Do you think I should work at Apple or Google? I'm like, I don't know, but I think he wants you to be holy. I'd put that into the factor that God's will for your life is to be made holy and it is little by little. It is a lifelong process that God is separating you. He is making you new in everything that you do. To think about it this way, that, that this life, it's a life of a thousand deaths, but a thousand and one resurrections a thousand deaths to myself of I was going that way. I keep feeling myself moving that way, but I'm gonna to die to that and I'm gonna go this way because I believe God has something better for me. And it's not all at once and it's not perfection, but there is a change and there should be a change. There should be something different in you because the spirit of God has decided to dwell within you. That should make a little bit of some waves. And if there's not, I want us to look at Romans because this is not a new situation with us. This want to be normal, this want to to hand off everything and just want to fit in, it is something that pulls at us every single day, and it has for the past 2,000 years. And look what Paul does. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to pretend like you're ordinary. There is nothing ordinary about you. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by repenting of the old way. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That is what it looks like to be holy. To look at my life and to pray every single day, God, don't let me be conformed, but God, transform me into your image. And here's a question to go along with that that we can all ask this week. Do I look more like Jesus or do I look more like the people around me? Our nature will be to want to fit in, to look like, sound like, act like the people that are around us because it will make life easier in the moment. But it's about saying, no, no, no. I died to that old way. It's not about what I want or what I desire. The mission is too important that I'm going to be transformed. But be honest. Do you look more like Jesus or do you look more like the people at work? Do you look more like the people at school? Do you look more like the people that you follow on social media? Or are you being transformed into the perfect image of God? Are you providing a new way of life that the world desperately needs? Are you on mission? Are you holy? Have you been set apart? What does that look like? What does that look like? What does it look like to be set apart? Here it is. Love people who don't look like you. You know how easy it is to just surround yourself and live with and encapsulate just people that look like you and sound like you and believe what you believe? Love people who don't look anything like you. That'll make you stand out. Love people who can't care for you. And not only love them, look for them. Don't just look at relationships that have a ROI. Look for people and know that there is nothing they will be able to give me and that does not stop me from being able to love them. Did Jesus say, well, what is it to be able to lend something or give something to someone that can immediately pay you back? Even the sinners do that. Even the tax collectors do that. No, no, there's a new way of life for you. Love people who can't care for you. Love people who hurt you. Our world is not too much different from that shame and honor culture. That we seek to get revenge, we seek to retaliate, but what would it look like to pray for those that hurt us? To love those that hurt us? That when they come to us and say, hey, I messed up, instead of saying, oh, I know you did, Uh, you're dead to me. What would it look like to be able to provide love to them in a way that they've never experienced? That the first taste of God's grace that they get is through you. How wild is that? What an opportunity that we have been given to be able to share the best things of God with other people. Love people who can't protect themselves. Love people who can't protect themselves. Vulnerable children, the next generation, people that can provide you nothing. Love them. And the last one love people fully before you love them sexually. What does it look like to be holy? to say that I'm not going to love anyone in any form until I've decided and made the commitment to love you fully through the context of marriage. This is what it looks like to be set apart. This is what it looks like to be holy. This is what it looks like to be the church, to be set apart, to love in these ways. And it's okay to look at this and to know that you're falling short on maybe one or all of them, But by the power of God, he can equip you to live all of this out. This is the life he has for you. This kind of love. But ask the question, where am I failing to live this out? Where am I failing to be set apart? Where am I conforming instead of being transformed by the power of God within me and living out this new life? And I just want to put this out there. For anyone who's here who does not believe in God, who is walking in a very different direction. I just wanna propose that today could be that day where you repent, but it only comes when you see God for who he truly is, that God loves you, that God was there for you, even though he looks nothing like you. He is different from you in almost every single way, but he found a way to love you. That God is for you. Even though you can provide him nothing. The heavens are his home. The earth is his footstool. There's nothing you could craft, create, earn, bring to him that he doesn't already own. But he loves you knowing you'll never be able to provide anything for him. <clears throat> that God His love for you is not bound by anything. And God decided to love you and to protect you when you couldn't protect yourself. There's no way that you can go, no road on your own that will lead to this life, that will lead to eternal life, aside from this one that he had to carve in blood for you that God would leave heaven, come to earth, wrap himself in skin and bones and go to a cross. What did he do? He gave himself fully to you before he asked for any kind of commitment. And we stand here talking to a God that would do anything for you, that has proven himself by giving himself. And now on this side, after he defeated sin and death, after he took out everything that was separating us from God, what he did with you with the reward was he offered it to us. He said, join in on this. Then I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna pay for all that's separated. I'm gonna pay the debt you owed and I'm gonna give you something you could never earn on your own. That is what Jesus offers this new way of life. And it's so much more. It's more than culture can ever create. It's more than science will ever find. It's more than a book can show you. It is a way of life that Jesus offers and it can start today. God is with you and God wants a relationship with you. And to the church, this church, it becomes so much more when it moves from a place that you go or a belief that you have to a people that you are. That you are a holy nation, that you have been set apart. That this is the way to eternal life and you get to live it out. We should be walking in here every single day, like every day was leg day. Like we barely made it through these doors because we poured ourselves out. We knocked down every single barrier. We were the demolition crew. And we showed over and over again, this is who Jesus was. And then we get to come in here and get stirred up and we rally around each other and then we are sent out. And what I want us to do right now is I want us to stand. Would you stand with me in this moment? You hear that? And I hope you were able to hear it online. And for everyone in the rooms at the campuses, I'm gonna ask you to do it one more time. Would you go ahead and sit one more time? Don't kill me. But I want you to hear this every single time when we gather together, when you stand to your feet, when your feet hit the ground and you hear the, the, the seats close up. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like a wedding, where the doors swing open and the bride comes down. That every time when we gather together, as we leave, as you stand to your feet, I want you thinking, here comes the bride. Here comes the bride and she is beautiful. She is holy. And I am her. That this is the mission that we die on. This is the hill we die on that we will give anything and everything for to bring people to this space to know that they were made for so much more. So would you stand with me one more time as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, as the church, as the sent ones, as the way. This is who we are. Would you pray for me? I'm going to pray that God would lead us into this week. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your way, for your way of life. That you would save us from the darkness, you would save us from our sins, you would save us from ourselves. And you would send your spirit. That is the hope. That is our why. That is the only thing that we have to hold on to in this broken and fragmented world. Your spirit, which strengthen us would lead us, would unite us as one body. So God, we've heard the stories. We've seen you respond in the generations before. We know what it looks like when you show up and God, we're asking for that. God, let us be your bride. Let us be on display. Let us be holy. Let us give ourselves as a holy sacrifice as we go, loving others and god pointing to you over and over again so god we ask decrease us remove us lessen us and make more room for your spirit to move and to act and change we love you jesus it's in your name we pray amen